Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Football, friendship, and fun, that's what we do. We watch the Chiefs and talk about them too. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record. Amateur Hour. Ryan Scott Hall and his darkness. You know that these guys are the best in the biz. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur I think it's about time to start the show. Just one more chorus, then away we go. Amateur hour. Amateur hour. A podcast. Here comes Ryan and Dirk, your favorite amateurs. Amateur hour. Yeah, folks. Amateur hour. We're back. Finally coming off a Chiefs win, I am Ryan Scott Hall, and the man with me today, sitting in a white chair that was empty not just 30 seconds ago, is darkness. So, up? Wouldn't you like to know where I went? <laughs> uh, I mean, don't tease me, man, but I was a little worried. I saw you get up like during the intro, and I was like, oh, um, I know that we talked about maybe doing some monologues, but clearly I'm just going to have to... So I have to roll with it here. Don't have anything. I had to get a little something brown in the mug here. Okay. Something brown, a little special sauce. Little podcast. Okay. Well, Dirk, let's start here. Um, the Chiefs emerge from our nation's capital victorious on Sunday, and our long international nightmare is over. Ladies and gentlemen, Juan Thornhill and, and Mike Rimmers, I guess um and she like made some lineup changes on sunday and it seems like it worked at least in the second half um any any like opening thoughts on thornhill or rimmers i think those being kind of big storylines leading right up to kickoff well i got i mean i got thoughts on both i don't know if they're lead off worthy here but yeah no i thought both were good moves uh honestly um, I think even though you might think Lucas Miang is the best player in the NFL, I think Mike Rimmers might have been the right move also. I don't know if we saw it coming. Um, I think we might have fibbed a little bit on the injury status of Niang. I think he got in the game for a play. 
Um, no, I don't think that means, I forgot to check the snap counts on that. Uh, but I swear I saw him when we went six offensive linemen. When, I think it was the Mahomes interception, actually. Um, so I might check this at some point during the podcast. We'll do a fact check at the uh, tail end, uh, an hour and a half back end of this podcast. Uh, but anyways, uh, no, I, th- I thought both were good moves. Um, and I, yeah, I, I was, I, was, I like, I mean, at least you did something. It, the Thornhill thing, it's, it's one of those times where it's everybody's asking for it. And it's like, well, maybe there's a reason. There's got to be a reason. But no, I think the fans are actually 100% right on this one. And the coaching staff has been blowing this uh, throughout the start of the season. I, I can't provide an answer why they would have been playing Sorensen over Thornhill other than Sorensen is just better in practice and makes fewer mistakes. And they rolled with that when it wasn't the right move. It kind of reminded me of Remember the Titans when they've got like the white kid out there that clearly can't keep up and white they're, kid. and they're and they're uh benching his his backup who like used to play quarterback or or whatever uh but they they moved him to defensive back and it's it's Ryan Gosling isn't it isn't that who they bench uh that might be right yeah i For think sure. it is how can you bench Ryan Gosling how can you bench a face like that I mean, he it was he was also like a hundred pounds lighter. He really looks like a pipsqueak in that movie. It's it's pretty funny. He definitely um, he does not look like a quarterback. He's no uh, Jason Seahorn out there. Well, so did like, you know there hasn't been a white quarterback in the NFL since Jason Seahorn? Mm. Like, not even like nobody that we've heard of. There has not been one. Interesting. And there's actually a really good one on Iowa uh, right now. I'm hoping he makes the NFL. Although he tore his ACL a couple weeks ago, I think. So oh, the dream may be dead. The streak okay. may be alive. So I guess initially on Thornhill, um, there's nothing novel. I think that anybody can say about the situation. It's pretty obvious that what Thornhill brings to the table is a level of athleticism that frankly, I think just frees him up and frees up the people around him to be able to do more. I mean, look, he's going to make mistakes. There, there, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's going to take a bad angle or make the wrong read and sometimes probably look like, wow, that's, uh, that's a guy that is either inexperienced or just not good. But I think specifically with how explosive he can be and really, um, even though I guess there are probably still some lingering question marks coming off that injury, this is a guy that played one of the best games of his career, I believe, in the AFC Championship against the Bills last year. He, um, he did, which was amazing because I had totally forgotten. I rewatched that game uh, a couple of days before we played the Bills. I couldn't believe that Juan Thornhill was out there seemingly playing the whole game and making plays. And I was like, damn, I, I kind of thought like Thornhill just like didn't play last year. I forgot that he had he worked his way into the lineup, but yeah, he had a, he had a nice game. He had a, basically an interception on the sideline on a wheel route and, and it kind of came out cause he hit the ground hard. Uh, but yeah, he made a couple of plays in that game. I've just been kind of puzzled obviously uh, as to why he hasn't been able to really crack the starting lineup so far this year, but he, he can just get to places on the field that Sorensen clearly, if you're talking about a like for like replacement, I mean, there's, there's no real contest, but what his athleticism and his playing style and like his, his natural position uh, does for that chiefs defense is I think it really opens up a lot of interesting possibilities for him. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's not necessarily Thornhill himself. It's Thornhill freeing up Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. to do what he can do. Um, because with Matthew and Sorensen on the field, you trust Matthew more as that deep safety. Uh, you don't want Sorensen back there. And, you know, I don't have the athletic numbers in front of me, but this is totally racially toned. I just don't think Sorensen is fit to play deep safety like that. Now you throw a guy in like Juan Thornhill, he can play the deep safety, and it allows Tyron Matthew to sneak down into the box and, and allow him to do more Tyron Matthew things. Because when you're playing deep safety, you're basically, you're just sitting back. And, you know, you're, you're taking away deep shots, but you're not really affecting the play on most plays. But you bring Tyron Matthew down to the box, he's allowed to use his instincts. He's allowed to hunt, as I believe he likes to say. Um, and, you know, he's really, he reminds me of like kind of Troy Falamalo. You don't want to. You don't want to put Troy Polamalu just as, as your deep safety. It's, it neutralizes. It's not. You're not getting the best out of. Him. So I think what we're doing, or what we just did, bringing Thornhill in, sticking him back deep. Hey, you stay back there. You play the sound uh, responsibility back here. Maybe it leads to a mistake or two. We'll see. But it really freed up Tyra Matthew to just unleash havoc on the uh, on the football offense. <laughs> on the football offense. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, okay, so. You mentioned that Lucas Niang might be my favorite football player ever. Honestly, I think the only reason that I reacted the way that I did about Mike Rimmers and then spent most of the game trying to confirm my priors unsuccessfully. Um, but I, I mostly just wanted it. It felt so ridiculous to me that like one of the great selling points for Chiefs fans was that Lucas Niang was the person Chase Young said was who he had the like the most difficult matchup against when he was in college. And oh, I was I was trying to think of who that quote was from. It was Chase Young. Chase Young said Niang was the toughest guy he played against while he was in college. And I'm like, he started the first five games, and suddenly when he we're getting we gotta get to see that matchup against last year's defensive rookie of the year. You're benching him. Andy, like this is the Niang Chase Young cage match. I want it. I want it. All all of which led to a segment we're bringing back, the Dov Take of the Week. A lot of of tweets from Dov to sift through this week, but it was not one of Dov's tweets. However, it was in the Dov font. (laughs) Here we go. My name is Dov. Rimmers is awesome from our very own Ryan Scott Hall following a clear offsides play where Chase Young beats Rimmers around the end and Ryan gets it on my, my oh yeah he looks great out there he's getting beat off the snap big time they had to stop the play he got beat so bad on that play <laughs> so the Dom's take of the week Goes to our very own Ryan Scott Hall. Congratulations, Ryan. I uh, I deserved it. I really earned that. I went out and I gave it my best effort, and I'm proud to be recognized for it. Uh, right, it's, just, it's just you and Dom right now. That's that's all that's on the uh, the Hall of Fame there. Just yeah. Twin pillars of an incredible, just sensational tweeting, Dom and I. Um, all right. So I want to, let's, let's kind of try to get into the meat of the show a little bit. Um, and I want to pick up on something that we started to talk about last week, or, or I guess you did rather, 
Um, and I, I ended up seeing you like send a couple tweets out, essentially saying like, hey, we started talking about the blueprint and we didn't quite finish. There's still some kind of un, unfinished business here on the blueprint. Why don't you kind of recap a little bit of what you were thinking here um, and then lead us down the path uh, to being able to finish off the blueprint conversation? Well, yeah. So, I mean, so I got into it last week, but everybody, it seems like every team is playing the exact same defense against the Chiefs this year. Um, you know, starting last year, probably there was definitely some teams that did it last year. Uh, most notably the Bills, they didn't have much success. But I mean, one thing it does, it's basically, it's, it's playing two deep safeties the entire game, keeping everything in front and making this Chiefs offense that wants to explode down the field, just work their way down the field which sometimes it seems like they're in the mood for, and sometimes it does not. And really when it goes off the rails is when they have, you know, one mistake, and then they try to start pressing. Like if things are going well from the very beginning, like the Eagles game, fuck, fuck we'll just we'll 10 yard you to death all the way down the field because you haven't stopped this yet. But man, once things start going sideways a little bit, and you saw in that Bills game, all of a sudden, damn, they're trying to score 14 points every play. And it's not there because of two deep safeties. There's just not the smart play. You have to be smart about it. And that was also, I think it was kind of affecting their attitude a little bit. Uh, it's leading to more mistakes and obviously to more turnovers. Now, the part I didn't get to was there was a few stats to back this up. Um, most notably, Mahomes has had two of his four worst yards per attempt games uh, in the last Four weeks now. It was the last three weeks. It was the uh, Chargers and Bills, I want to say, offhand. I don't have that written down. Uh, but two of his four worst yards per attempt of his career. So, you know, I, I know people are getting very defensive about Mahomes getting figured out because the stats look fantastic and all this. But he had two games. Yards per attempt is, is maybe the most telling quarterback stat, in my opinion. And he had two of his worst four games, uh, you know, this season already. Um, and there's some some... Further stats. Now, this was against the Bills specifically. Now, stick with me. It's kind of nerdy. Now, against cover two, two-man, cover four, and cover six. Basically, what you need to know about that, there's two deep safeties. Uh, Mahomes is at 62% on the season, one touchdown, four interceptions, and 8.5 yards per attempt, which is still a really good number, but the interceptions are high. Now, against cover one or cover three, now this basically means he's looking at one deep safety in the middle of the field. He was at 82% completion, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 10.8 yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, there's a lot of stats missing there. This is via Sports Info, Info Solutions. I ripped it straight from a Ringer article. Um, but it's basically just kind of saying he's been much more successful against one deep safety look than against a two deep safety look. And the, here's some stats to back it up. There's a lot of stats missing from that. I'm guessing that's just because sometimes defense isn't easy to identify. Um, so it's obviously not full ranging. And this is also not including the uh, game against Washington this week. So it's just basically teams, this is how they're going to play. And it wasn't that this is going to stop Mahomes, but it is maybe this is going to slow down Mahomes and it's going to frustrate the Chiefs offense as a whole. So I guess something that I have been marinating on when it comes to the way that the Chiefs have been losing or the way that teams have been trying to slow down this offense. Um, for, I want to start with this. I think that either I just didn't catch it 
or none of us seemed to think or recognize what the opening part of this schedule actually was going to end up being like. Oh, shit. Um, oh, shit. I, we, I, it never crossed my mind until it's like, Jesus, now we're playing them? Like, I, I think this is just something when you get losses. And then all, all of a sudden, like, oh, damn, who are we playing next? Oh, shit. We got to play them next. Damn. I mean, five of the first seven games basically against, you know, five. I, I think aside from the Browns and the injuries at this point, like we're talking about all AFC playoff teams. Yeah. Oh, even know? still. Even, I mean, the Browns are still favored to make the playoffs. I'd say, I'd say the top five AFC teams, uh, you know, without, all, without all a doubt, Chiefs, especially right? playing the Browns when they're at full strength. I mean, they're very banged up now, mm-hmm. uh, but they're full strength in week one, obviously. And, and I mean, a, something worth at least kind of tucking in your back pocket is that over the course of a season and in, in having an extra game and an extra team making the playoffs and all these different things, the Browns might be banged up now, but look great in December and, and really be the team that looks like they're on a roll going into the playoffs and, you know, anything can happen. It's a long year. Um, I mean, I mean, I ran a poll after week one, who are the chiefs going to play in the AFC championship and the Browns won that poll. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, playing them tight like that. I, I'm sure a lot of people were really impressed. Um, so listen, I, I say that because I'm I'm really wondering, like, if you're a contender in the AFC, if you are choosing over the offseason to spend any extra time planning for an opponent this year, it literally has to be the Chiefs. Like, they have gone to three straight AFC championships, two straight Super Bowls. They are the model franchise in the last three years, essentially, in the AFC. And so especially this opening stretch of teams, the Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Bills, and now this week, the Titans. I mean, heck, those teams, honestly, in a lot of ways, they've been building their rosters to beat the Chiefs. And so I think about like, any kind of new plays, extra study, intense focus, like that's what it's like to be the Chiefs right now. All of those teams, if they wanted to like pull some stuff out in the first five or six games of the year, the way that Andy seems to do, I don't know that we really had that kind of coming out party, so to speak. Maybe some of it we saw in Philly, but that's just because everything was clicking. But if you're doing those like quote unquote unscouted looks, new stuff that you've never un- unveiled before, um, and if you really want to tighten up and like really prepare for one opponent, it's the Chiefs. Um, so, I mean, it's in some ways, even though we've been disappointed, we really shouldn't be that surprised that these teams are kind of starting to catch up, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I think you're you're dead right. I mean, we're playing a Super Bowl every week. We're playing the other team's Super Bowl every week. Uh, is what it kind of feels like. Um, so no, it's 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 definitely not a surprise. I mean, I think the disappointment is that we've we've kind of had we've kind of been the big brother to all of those teams the last couple of years. I mean, Josh Allen hadn't beat us. Lamar Jackson hadn't beat us. The Chargers weren't really a factor, and they beat us when we played our backups. But they weren't even really you know, in the scene yet. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like we had like a, like a big brother dominance on these teams and we could kind of keep them at a, you know, a pause length away. Like, nah, nah, you're still not close to us until 
Clyde fumbles that first ball against the Ravens, and then all of a sudden, hey, the Ravens got to win against us. Hey, the Chargers got to win against us. Hey, the uh, whoever else, the Bills, Bills got to win against us. Now, all of them are a little bit less scared. Now, that's going to happen eventually, but it just kind of sucks to see because it's like, I mean, if, if we beat all these teams and we're going to the AFC playoffs again, none of them are going to have confidence going against us. Like, man... We've lost, I guess, in the last three or four times we've played them. We can't seem to beat them. They're on top. They're at home. All this stuff. So we have we keep that kind of dominance over everybody. Whereas now, it, it kind of just feels wide open. I'll, however, I do feel like once we get to the playoffs, no matter what seed the Chiefs are, we're going to be the team that nobody wants to play. Like, like if it's coming down to seeding and, you know, the Ravens are like, well, you know, if this team wins, then we play the Chargers next week. Or if this team wins, then we play the Chiefs next week. Like, oh, well, uh, give us the Chargers, please. We're going to root for that one. Like, I don't think teams want to see the Chiefs and Mahomes come play out there still. I mean, I think what you're talking about, um, and maybe people like this during playoff time and think it sounds dumb otherwise, but, I mean, you're talking about championship swagger, Right there is a certain level of arrogance that this team has and plays with. And yeah, we've talked about the importance of being humbled to start this year. And that maybe that's something that the team really needed. And I do think that in some ways they're going to enter these playoffs after having lost to some of these, you know, AFC premier opponents and have to like know that the fear that they're able to strike um, just by showing up or, or hosting the game at Arrowhead or whatever, that some of that's gone. However, the playoffs, as you mentioned, they're different. Lamar Jackson still doesn't have a playoff win. And look, he's no, he, does. he does. He won last year. He won a game last year? Yeah. Just one? Just one. One playoff win. Good for him. Sorry, I doubted you, Lamar. Um, hey, hey, I guess Lamar has been fucking fantastic. I'll, I'll shit on Josh Allen a little bit right now. Uh, he hasn't had a good playoff game. Um, but Lamar Jackson this year, my God, he's he's like a one-man band. Because even their running game isn't really clicking. I think he is far and away the MVP, um, just on a separate rant. Um, but go ahead. Keep no, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, I'm I'm – was trying to cut down the team that I believe is the top seed in the AFC right now. Um, and and I, I'll, I'll just say this, um, and then we can, we can move on. I, they beat Tennessee last year in the playoffs, by the way. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's right. I think I remember, weren't we watching that game? At well, well, they got the revenge for like, uh, Peter's got the game ending interception and they did like the logo thing because there was the whole logo thing with the Titans in the regular season kind of thing. I think we watched that game at Minsky's with our Colombian family before. No, that was when the Titans won. Okay. Well, you know, the Titans and the Ravens played in the playoffs. They all blend together a little bit. I, I moved away, Ryan. I don't, I don't live there anymore. Well, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so um i i think something that is going to be fun to talk about today um at least for us because we like to make jokes and keep things as light as possible typically but something that you and i both had in our notes were the words rock bottom and so i i wanted to see 
uh, and kind of run through some of the things that, uh, that I noticed when I felt like the Chiefs hit rock bottom. So where were you when the Chiefs hit rock bottom? And for those of you that are actually trying to guess what rock bottom was, it was the interception that when watched in film this week, everyone bursted out laughing at Patrick Mahomes for throwing. Um, when the Chiefs, go ahead. Well, I see, see, I was thinking, that I'm glad you cleared that up because I was thinking it was after Dwayne The Rock Johnson dropped the people's elbow and then the opponent somehow got up and then he slapped their arm over his, his shoulder and he threw down the rock bottom. Oh, okay. I thought but that you not, were going to somehow tie in rapping with Tech 9 in there as soon as you said Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hey, shout out. Shout out. That's big. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. And, and shout out to uh, Joey Cool. He went to my high school. I'm actually kind of buddies with him. He's one of uh, Tech Nine's lackeys. I hope he's not listening and, and hears that and, and takes it. I hope he is. Just... I hope he is. I don't care. <laughs> uh, so where were you when the Chiefs hit rock bottom? Um, this is what I noticed. Uh, Track tweeted <laughs> out his contract details. Uh, that's where we were. Let's look at was... Patrick Mahomes's contract bad. It was so beautiful because they didn't say anything. All they listed was facts. So it wasn't like, hey, we're not reacting to anything. We are just throwing out facts here. And not how Twitter means facts. They're throwing out actual legitimate facts uh, with, with how the uh, the Patrick Mahomes contract looks. Whoever, it was beautiful. Who runs that account? It was perfectly timed, just social media nonsense. It was it was great. It was oh, so good. Yes. Um. I saw tweets about, um, and I think this was actually, most of these, I want to believe, are like verified national reporter accounts, right? Um, I saw one person asking if the Chiefs had tried putting Mahomes in rice. Um, I saw a tweet <laughs> about the Monstars potentially stealing our powers. I saw a tweet that said, Jameis Winston would be ashamed if he had thrown an interception like that, I saw his darkness ask if Patrick Mahomes was broken. I even saw not just one, but multiple tweets, not, I will say, from verified accounts. Um, I saw some chitter chatter on the amateur hour timeline, which is trying to be like an account of the people. I try to follow the people instead of the big dogs. And I saw a lot of, is it time to have a conversation about Andy Reid? Oh, um, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to go to Chiefs playoff legend Chad Henney. Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw Craig, Craig Stout said that he saw that on his timeline. My timeline does not go that deep. I, I wish I could have seen some Henney tweets. <laughs> um, there, there was a lot of freaking out. I believe. How, how could you not? How could you not at that? It was, woo. it was that, that first half. I mean, and especially in kind of ending with that interception. Um, I mean, look, I think that like my rock bottom reaction, despite winning the Dove Kleinman take of the week, I had a worse, had a worse reaction. Um, I, I think I just said something is wrong. Like there, there's something wrong. We can see it. I don't know what it is, but like we have problems. Um, 
and so I guess I not just because it's funny to be able to recap all that stuff, but like after Mahomes threw that pick, even maybe just sitting around at halftime. I mean, what's going through your head? Because it was pretty dark on the internet. Well, well, the internet is unfiltered. And it, oh man, one thing I've been wanting to do, uh, I didn't get a chance to do it beforehand, but uh, our guys at KC Sports Network did a halftime show. That had to be, I, I kind of watched some of it. It's kind of hard. There's so much going on at that point. But man, that put that in a time capsule because they had to just be like, what the fuck? Like if, if you had to go on air at halftime of that game, oh man, would the takes be flying. That would be an ugly, ugly scene. But yeah, I mean, I had the same thoughts going through my head. I wasn't making them public, but I was, man, is Mahomes all right? Is Like I was keeping my eye on the sideline. Like, is, is he going to have like a panic attack? Uh, I, you know, has the game passed Andy Reid by, even though that play has almost nothing to do with Andy Reid. But it's, you know what it is? It's real life Chiefs angst, something we haven't necessarily felt since 2017. Like real Chiefs angst. Like there were some ups and downs in 2019, but I don't remember ever freaking out. I mean, Mahomes injury, obviously, but never like, man, what's what's wrong with this team? I don't remember ever freaking out that bad. Uh, where I, it was, you know, if we're jumping to two and four, if we're losing to the damn football team. Are we going to make the playoffs? Are we going to miss the fucking playoffs? And then what happens if we miss the playoffs? If we miss the playoffs with this collection of talents, what do you do? Because, I mean, something has to happen. So, I mean, all those thoughts are going through my head. I I think it was very fortunate that halftime was, like, right there because I'm glad Mahomes didn't have to go right back out there because I I feel like he was shaken. I, I know I was rattled. I was definitely rattled. Uh, sitting at my home, and I actually watched the second half of that game up on the edge of my ottoman when I am definitely a recliner, lay all the way back kind of guy. It's the, you know, it's the old meme when they they have like the guy playing the video game and he like kind of leans up in his chair to get serious. Mm -hmm. That was me in the second half of that game because it was like, it's time to get serious. I paced quite a bit. Um... I don't think I did a whole lot of sitting during the second half. Um, and it, you know, eventually got exciting. And so that helped, but I mean, during the first half and, and really leading up to, I mean, I think I mentioned in last week's show that like that result from the bills game was probably like the worst that we have felt in the entire Mahomes era or like the lowest point of the Mahomes era, aside from like the knee injury and about an hour or so window there before we started thinking this might be okay. He might, he might be okay. Um, and, and, and they, really that has, nothing, that has nothing to do with Mahomes. That's just an injury. Right. Uh, you know, and so, to, to go and, and end up feeling lower than that. Um, I do, I do think that I guess halftime in general is maybe the turning point, hopefully at this point, the real turning point, like for the season. Um, I, I know that it's always possible to take one step forward and two steps back. And I think a loss to Tennessee this week would probably feel that way, especially given all the injuries that they suffered and they're playing on a short week. I know they're at home um, and Derrick Henry's on a roll, but 
I, I think that it would be a step back uh, losing to the Titans and, and having lost four of five against essentially, you know, all what we consider playoff teams. Uh, they, that would, that would be worse than where we've been, but I, I do think it's important to recognize the success here too. Um, because the chiefs, and this is kind of the story of the season, you know, they scored 30 against Washington, despite three turnovers deep in football team territory, football territory. I, I believe everyone has seen by now that the Chiefs are leading the league in points per drive by a lot, despite having nine turnovers inside the opponent's 40-yard line. So we're not talking about the Chiefs leading the league in yards, which would make sense if they keep turning the ball over in you know the opponent territory and whatever. They are leading the league in points per drive, despite having nine of them end in a turnover inside the opponent's 40-yard line. Um, And so to be three and three, and aside from those turnovers, in basically every positive statistical category you can think of, um, and, and many advanced metrics that feel like they're more concrete than just some of those uh, like like volume stats that we look at, the Chiefs are the best offense in the league. It's still happening. And so when I hear Andy Reid step up to the microphone the last few weeks, he keeps things pretty simple, right? He could get up there and get really nerdy and talk to you about all of these ins and outs of football, but he says, it's the turnovers. We'll get it cleaned up. And once we do, it'll be a pretty picture. Um, I saw somebody say, I hope it's a Mozart, uh, which was one of Andy's uh, misnomers last year, right? Mozart, a composer, not a painter. Dirk's like, I don't, I don't know. No, I, I, never I heard a of sports her. management major. <laughs> never heard of her. Never heard of her. Um, but yeah, I mean, when Andy steps up there and, and says something like that, very matter of fact, like, hey, it's the turnovers. And once we get it cleaned up, we're going to be in good shape. Uh, he, he's really not wrong. It seems like the turnovers are the source of all of the Chiefs' problems. It, I mean, it definitely does, just because there have been so many. Um, you kind of question at what point does it become like a fluke? And it's like, you know, we're beating ourselves to just like, okay, this is what we are. Uh, because it's just, it's just such a stretch we haven't really seen um, from this from the Chiefs offense at all like I mean speaking specifically about the turnovers um, but you can also kind of say I would say that there's a confidence issue and and it kind of it kind of snowballs Um, and and what I mean by that is once one mistake happens they don't they don't kind of turn it around right away it kind of like affects them for a while and you know look no further than this game the Chiefs offense humming for two drives, start the game right down the field, touchdown, get the ball the next drive, go right down the field, throw a ball right off Tyreek Tyreek Hill's hands, and it gets intercepted. Following that drive, they go three and out field goal following a defensive turnover. The other team can turn it over too. It can go both ways. That's, That's fun. So they go three and out and get a field goal out of it. Punt, fumble from McCole Hartman, the disastrous Mahomes interception, 
And then actually they come out of the second half and get the ball first and then actually punt it on that drive. Um, and so this, that's, we'll lead into the defense with that when we get there. But then they kind of turn the corner, they get themselves back, and they end the game with touchdown, 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 and then essentially running out the clock, kind of turn it over on downs, kind of, kind of drive. So I do think there is a bit of an issue of, you know, once one bad thing happens, it snowballs, which you can't have. I mean, you can't have, you, you have to, you know, go right back out and respond. That's what championship teams need to do. Um, so, and there's, has been some issues with that. I don't know if it's like a confidence thing. I don't know what, I don't, I don't not sure what it is, but hopefully they've overcome that, but I'm not totally sure that they have until I see them make another big mistake and then immediately respond to it. I think that there's something that we, we definitely have a lot of opportunities ahead of us for this to happen, right? We're not running out of time or anything. It's still early in the year. But I think that this team, um, gosh, it feels so weird to say it because the roster um, and certainly the leadership has been static for the last three years. Um, we've had turnover, but mostly on the bottom of the roster. And obviously you end up seeing this whole new offensive line. I, I get it, right? Um, but I feel like this team needs to come together. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Craig Stout. I believe that the stat that he put out there about the offense not scoring after turnovers was just some ridiculous margin. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but if you go search Craig's timeline, you'll see how embarrassing it is because he's been keeping tabs on it since the beginning of the year because this brainiac is just um, able to even think of things like that. Um, it's been so glaring for the Chiefs this year, but it was a stat that he was already tracking, right? And so I believe it's something like, hey, you know, the Chiefs have turned their opponents over nine times and they've only scored like 10 points. And then they've surrendered, you know, a, a whole, a much higher percentage of scores after turnovers. And so just not like being in rhythm, the offense and the defense not really knowing, hey, we need to pick one another up in different scenarios. If the defense is tired, the offense has got to keep scoring. You know, if the offense is struggling, the defense has to get a stop. And through six games, they haven't really figured that out. Um, we could call it complementary football, if you will. Um, but I do think if the Chiefs are healthy and the Chiefs are humming, and, and I certainly trust Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to be able to get there, uh, they're, they're still the best team on the planet to me. And But, but they have to work for it. It ain't going to just happen. Yeah. Because I, that's kind of what I was getting at last week. It was kind of an attitude of just like, hey, we're going to come back out next week. We're going to beat the Chiefs again. The other team's going to be scared of us, and we're going we're gonna to kill them. And it's just like, no, it's not going to just happen. You guys have to earn it back. Um, and one more thing here while we're on this, and I think we should put it to bed after this, but something I think we all just kind of skipped over, um, something that used to be a big thing, um, you don't really hear too much about it anymore, but a Super Bowl hangover. You know, this team hasn't looked the same since that Super Bowl. And it's it's honest, I mean, it's it's pretty believable, it's legitimate that they would be affected by that kind of loss in the Super Bowl. I mean, this team, I mean, at that point, Mahomes had never lost by more than one score up until that game, I believe, right? I think that's right. I mean, it's, it, if not, then it was like two games. 
Um, yeah, we so know the, the Mahomes stats almost yeah, by heart. I mean, all those stats, I mean, this, this team was hadn't seen anything like that. And then all of a sudden on the biggest stage, they just get their shit, their shits kicked. They get kicked right in the balls. Uh, <laughs> right in the shits. <laughs> I gotta update my uh my expletive Rolodex here for uh for, for what happened to them in that Super Bowl. I gotta work on that. Um so I think. I, I feel like what we might do when this is all said and done, you know, 10 weeks down the road here, we're getting ready for the playoffs. We might look back at the first six weeks of this season and be like, hey, that was just like the Super Bowl hangover. Like this team, they were affected by the Super Bowl loss and nobody really wanted to admit that it was true, but it was a real thing. I mean, I, I got to say here, it, it was a big thing in the 2000s. Eight years in a row, the team that lost the Super Bowl missed the playoffs the next season. So, I mean, it was, it used to be a big thing. That's those stats have kind of reversed uh, over the last 10 years. So it's not as big a thing, but no, not many teams got embarrassed uh, like the Chiefs did in that Super Bowl. So I do think that is a factor on this team's attitude, on their confidence, all that kind of stuff. And I do think it's affected them this season. You know, and, and it's weird because I think that what we all anticipated was, oh man, these guys are going to be so red assed about losing that game that like they're going to come out and just like dropping bombs on every team that they play to start the year because they were so focused in 2019 after having lost that AFC championship through all the different ups and downs of that season. It was like they had a goal and they knew what the, all those guys knew what they were there for. Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, those new additions. It was like, we got brought here to put this team over the top and win a Super Bowl. Steve Spagnuolo at the time too, right? And then they come back in 2020 and the only game that they lose is to the Raiders. And then they end up, you know, I think they dropped the end of the season game or whatever when they benched their starters. But basically they lost one regular season game and they end up in the Super Bowl and the worst loss of Mahomes' career at that point. I was going to bring up that Raiders game, actually, because it kind of, what you were saying kind of reminded me of, you know, they lost that game to the Raiders, the Raiders do the victory lap, and then we, we had that rematch against the Raiders, and the conversation going into that game was, it's not if the Chiefs are going to win, it's by how much the Chiefs are going to win. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the attitude everybody went in with, and then it was, and then it didn't really happen. We didn't just lay the wood to the Raiders. I mean, they kind of, I don't remember how the flow of the game went, but obviously we scored on like the, the last 30 seconds to win that game. Like it was very back and forth. It was not like the Chiefs just like put them on their ass. They didn't come out like all pissed off from that. Like, so maybe that's not where this Chiefs team thrives is in that specific situation. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just look at, you know, I think what I ended up, tweeting out like the night before or, or maybe Sunday morning or whatever was like, all I really want to see from this team is like a, a focused 60 minutes. I don't want to see these, you know, deflection, like hit me in the hands, turned interception plays. I don't want to see the busted coverages on defense and a guy gets a wide open 70 yard touchdown. Like we don't have to go out and win by 30 but can we please eliminate those mistakes, right? Just play a clean game. And at halftime, when they had already done all of those things, I was thinking like, 
God, man, like, why did I even put that out into the world? Clearly, it's my fault. I just want a clean game. Well, we're not going to give you that, Ryan. Not going to happen. Um, and so, well, but, but, but what, what, what you might have been getting at is, like, we don't have to, like, blow them out. Like, just get a win. We need to turn things around. Just start with a win and right. maybe building back-to-back -back wins. And, you know, then you can focus on looking great later. And I do think we need to show greatness at some point. But we don't have to do it right away. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of thought back to, to two Chiefs teams um, that have had major turnarounds. Uh, you go back to 2015 when they're one in five, obviously. And everybody kind of remembers like the Lions game in London as the turnaround game. But we actually won a game before that at home, one in five. And we played the Steelers with Landry Jones. And there was nothing pretty about it. Nobody cared about the game because we're one and five. And I think the, the Royals were like in the World Series at that exact same time. So nobody, nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. They got an ugly win. They beat Landry Jones. Who cares? That leads to 10 straight wins, winning a playoff game, ending 20-year drought. Back to 2019, we have all this turmoil. We lose to Houston. We lose to Indy. Mahomes gets injured. Then we lose to Tennessee. And then we have a very ugly win against the Chargers. But it's and it's not like it's not like the Chiefs came back and like blew out the Chargers. It was very ugly. It was played in Mexico City. It was basically played in like tall ass grass, like three foot high grass. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody could run. Um, Tyreek got hurt on the first series of that game. Yeah, Tyreek registered no stats. I, I, I figured he got hurt. Mahomes put up 180 yards passing. It's one of his lowest totals of his career, if not the lowest. Mm -hmm. um, but they win. They pull out the win. Sorensen gets the pick. To end the game, shout out to Dan Sorensen, my guy. Um, <laughs> and, and then that's that's when the turnaround happens. So it's not like this turnaround happens in a big, splashy way all the time. Sometimes it's just getting the job done and then be great later. And maybe um, this is the best way to kind of end that particular part of this program. We have to adjust our expectations a little bit. Um, and I would just say that, like, we've gotten used to seeing that kind of perfection and, and greatness. Um, and even if it sometimes comes down to Mahomes is down by 10 and then he's able to bring us back, um, we've got some new results here. And this team is a little bit different. And so we have to have a little bit different expectation of them. And that's where... I think that winning 24 to 21, while maybe not as sexy or giving you the curb appeal of 35 to 17, it's just as effective, right? Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid for a while have talked about, we're worried about letters, not numbers. We want the W's, right? Um, and so I think about that and I know that it maybe for some feels a little dismissive, but I, I think that if there are other teams that are playing defense in a way that's just trying to slow the Chiefs offense down, if they're playing, you know, you say two deep safeties and that becomes like a prevent almost, then I would probably just try to have the Chiefs defense do the exact same thing to opponents and still essentially be putting the game in our offense's hands. And I don't care how ugly it is. I think that the Chiefs have the ability to come out on top more often than not. Um, I, I wanted to, to dig into, if I can, 
a couple things that I guess are immediate thoughts resulting from that game against Washington. Um, and, and I would say first and foremost, the conversation that people probably want to hear and have been having is about Daryl Williams versus Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, look, Daryl was awesome. Um, I know he only averaged like three yards carry, but Daryl was awesome. Um, your brother seems to hate Clyde Edwards Hilaire. <laughs> every time that I tweet something about Clyde, your brother's just like, give it up. Not every time, but, but he's had some strong reactions about Clyde. You probably watch games with him. What's the conversation like around somebody that seems very, very anti-Clyde? Do you find yourself defending him or is it like affecting the way that you look at Clyde too? Well, he, he definitely hates Clyde. Uh, we haven't watched too many games together because 10 a.m. kickoffs, it's hard to do anything before 10 a.m. I don't know how people do it. Right. Uh, shout out to people. Uh, but yeah, he's he's very anti-Clyde. I mean, I can see it. It's it's weird. I it was it was I was all with him in the first two games, and then the next two games he looks great. And then that Bills game, he looks terrible again. So I just don't I mean the problem is spending the first round pick on him. Um, but yeah, Daryl Williams looked great. Um, he ain't flashy, but man, he grinds. Um, you won't hear me bad mouthing him. I do think you can always, you know, upgrade there. He's kind of just like the guy there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Daryl, he, he played a big role in this one. Jarek McKinnon broke in some nice tackles, uh, on a third down, I believe it was, and got a first down. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, I mean, that's what you want to see is some, some hard running like that. So I'm, I'm curious if you saw the stat that in the first five games of the year, Clyde was targeted 10 times in the passing game. And in these last two weeks, Daryl's been targeted nine times. Um, I, I guess I want to use that as a way to have the conversation about using short passes as the running game, because that was kind of Andy's MO, right? Especially with Brian Westbrook. Like that was a way that that offense was talked about. And I know that Andy has evolved from there, but because he likes to pass and because even just outside of the running backs, we've got a lot of guys that can make somebody miss and be explosive and gain extra yards on short plays. But using short passing like in place of the running game or whatever, it, 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 am I misremembering? That is an Andy thing. And I don't feel like he's been using it. Um, and I know that like, let's, we can, we can look at screens specifically. I know that with five new offensive linemen, it might take time for, you know, to gel and, and things like that, whatever. Um, but just even like checking down in the flat or even having some designed looks seems like it's missing. Do you think, go ahead. No, I have no answer. I, I mean, we've, we've obviously debated this numerous times. I, I have no answer. I can only assume this is one thing where the fans are hundred percent right again, just like with Thornhill. Right. Uh, just because we're right. We're, we're feeling right. confident now. We're, we're on a heater. We're humming. Um, and, and really I, I, this crossed my mind watching Tom Brady, um, in whatever game they were, I, were they on Thursday night this week? I think because I, I watched them at a standalone game. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. He was just so satisfied with dropping back. Receivers go down the field. Leonard Fournette runs five yards, turns around, he dumps it to him. Boom, eight yards. And it, he's just going to do it over and over. Are you going to Are you going to stop it? No. Then I'll do it again. And he was just so content to do that over and over and over again. And, and other quarterbacks, I don't know if they're more 
you know, they want to focus like on making highlights more or something. Um, if they're just, they just don't have that kind of patience. I'm not sure what it is, but Tom Brady seems so much better at that specific trait. And you just go back through the Patriots running back throughout the years of, of everyone I've wanted the Chiefs to have. Why don't we have a James White? Why don't we have a James White? Why don't we have a, I've probably asked this 15 times on podcasts throughout the years. And they, they never seem to have a guy. And, and it's not just the Chiefs. It's lots of teams in the NFL. They just don't seem to attack that as well as Tom Brady does. And maybe that's just a stupid statement because he's Tom Brady. But it's, this should be the easy thing. This should be, you know, what, what the worst quarterbacks do. Like, they should be excited to dump this off and just get eight yards. And they don't seem to do it. Yeah, it would be like, um, you know, you think about, like, some of the, the, the bad, quote-unquote, quarterbacks in the league you know, Davis Mills out there for the Texans, like <clears throat> no offense to Davis. Is it Davis or David? I don't know. Whatever. If the Davis guy. family is listening, we apologize. Yeah. Well, I'm, I imagine. So I liken that to like someone off the street, even though the guy probably, you know, won a college championship or something. Um, but it's like, if you or I stepped onto the field and instead of taking that easy check down, we're like, no, screw it. I'm going to chuck it deep. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You got to take what's in front of you. Um, I, I look at, so here's, here's the thing that I guess has kind of been percolating for me a little bit. Um, Clyde, if there was like, like a knock on Clyde coming out, it's that he was probably considered more of like a receiving back, right? This guy might only be a third down guy in the NFL. So I think that like if if people when the Chiefs took him at 32 were upset, it's probably because we don't think this guy's a complete player. He's just a receiving back. And it's like, well, we're only handing the ball to him. We're not we're not using that skill set. It seems so weird to me. Um, and I I think I think I tapped into maybe what the the issue is here. I consulted the amateur scouting service report on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And it turns out he's not very tall. Um, and I think somehow it just is translating to like, Pat is having a hard time finding him. I'm serious. I'm, I know like, it sounds like I'm joking. I honestly wonder if like, the angle at which he needs to throw the ball, the timing of it. And if Clyde can kind of hide behind little whatever, because he's the shortest guy on the field, I think that Mahomes is just having a hard time finding him because Daryl's six inches taller and a much wider, bigger body. And it's just easier to see him. I know I'm being reductive here, but what does that, do you smell any of that? How's that smelling to you? Oh, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know the ass likes to go deep with the tall, uh, with the height measurements. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I, don't, I don't have an, any better answer. I mean, the fart can't come up with anything better. Um, I wish I knew what it still stood for, but I do not remember. We've, that one's it's been uh, inoperable for here for a while here. Um, but, yeah, we do not study height as closely as the ass, but I can buy it. But uh, so. Let's let's switch over to the defense before we uh, get out of here. Um, I think we're coming up yeah. on an hour mark or so. Um, they didn't defense. They fucking saved the day. They really did. Um, I want to I want to just maybe start here 
Anthony Hitchens leaves the game early, and uh, I'm freaking out. Even though I don't think Hitchens is good, I'm like, Ben Neiman is going to wear the green dot for the next three quarters? And did he? Yeah. Oh, did it? Oh. Yeah. Um, and somehow the Chiefs' defense improved with with Ben Neiman leading the way instead of Anthony Hitchens. Um, and, and look, I got bored or just couldn't get to sleep uh, after work on Saturday night. And I watched the Washington football team against the Saints from the week before this Chiefs game. I watched the condensed replay. Thanks, Rob. And now I know that Antonio Gibson ended up getting hurt, um, plus a lot of other guys that were inactive um, in this game. Washington's offense was certainly banged up. But, I mean, the Saints have one of the better defenses in the league, certainly by reputation. And Washington looked a lot better against New Orleans than they did against the Chiefs. Um, I mean, they had two turnovers and 182 total yards including only 77 yards of offense in the second half against the Chiefs defense. Um, I don't care who you are or who you're playing. That's impressive. The Chiefs defense without Anthony Hitchens for three quarters and without Chris Jones for the entire game really stepped it up and came to play on Sunday. Just what were those total yards again? 182 total yards, 77 in the second half. Okay, I saw that tweet too. Um, and was gonna do some research on it. They actually had 276 total yards. Did, oh. Were you taking that from a tweet? That was from a tweet. Yeah, and, and I saw the same thing, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's like nothing!" But uh, but here in the, I'm looking at the stats right now. It's 276 uh, total. I mean, not your fault. You saw someone put that tweet out there, but um, so that's not the correct amount of total yards for whatever okay. reason. All right. But man, the defense. Yeah, I mean, there was there was lots of things. There was lots of little things that I think added up to you know, a big difference. Uh, and, you know, it, it should all be taken with a grain of salt with Washington's offensive stats, uh, 21st, 24th, 21st, 18th. Uh, and some random stats. I'm not going to tell you which is which, uh, but just gives you an idea. So everything should be taken with a grain of salt there because it's not a great offense, but it's not like a terrible offense. And that's after what the Chiefs did to them. So they're probably a little bit higher. So just below league average uh, is the has been the Washington offense so far. But man, some, some real signs that they're figuring out. Some flashes from Frank Clark. Some flashes from Jaron Reed. Um, Thornhill playing every snap, bringing Tyron down into the box like we talked about. Rashad Fenton getting the start. I thought he looked really good. Um, I actually have four cornerbacks on our team that I like right now. Um, Hughes would be at the bottom of my list. I kind of like Baker and Ward and Fenton. Uh, and Sneed all better than him personally, but we seem to have kind of like, we're almost playing like cornerback by committee at this point. I don't even know which corner is going to show up every week. It's it's mm-hmm. very big rotation. Um, I thought Legereus Sneed hadn't really been great that this year. Uh, talking strictly coverage, uh, the dude makes a lot of plays behind the, uh, behind the line. He has four tackles for loss this year somehow, which is uh, really good for a corner. Uh, but he had a really great game this week. Um, and then, like you said, with your point that started out with Hitchens out, I really liked the linebacker play. Uh, and for the majority of the game, it was Nick Bolton and Anthony Hitchens. And here's my take on it. 
I think you said Anthony Hitchens. He was no, it was not. Oh my bad. He, Bolton he and Neiman. Bolton Neiman. and Neiman. Most of the snaps. Willie Gay, I think, played like fewer than fifteen ish. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but here's my take. I think Nick Bolton and Anthony Hitchens are too similar. Um, they both want to play the mic. And so I just don't think it's a good idea to have them both on the field. That was Ben Neiman a whole lot different. I mean, I don't fucking know. They throw him out there and dime all the time. So you'd think he'd be better against the past. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly, I would stop playing Anthony Hitchens. I would, after seeing the defense like that, I'm just ready to come off of Anthony Hitchens. I don't think it'll happen, but man, I liked how the linebackers looked and I like Bolton playing the mic. Michael Bolton. Ooh. Michael Bolton. So um, I definitely do not disagree with uh, your Bolton playing middle linebacker. I mean, that's if if Brett Veach is doing a John Dorsey impression, uh, that's what he drafted Nick Bolton for a year early. He's going to take over as the middle linebacker next year for Hitchens. And, you know, you're basically suggesting, um, hey, it's only been six weeks, but like, let's just do it now. Um, I, I will tell you this. I think that a guy on this defense that the Chiefs miss pretty dearly is Damian Wilson. And I think that if he were here or they had someone that style that is like the stand-up linebacker that can drop down to the line of scrimmage and look like a fifth defensive lineman and play strong and get through contact and hurt people. Or, or another name, Raglan. Raglan did the same thing, right? That's the job that they have Bolton doing. He's willing to scrap like that. Um, I think if Damian Wilson were here, um, you, you might be a lot quicker or, or whether it's him or Ragland or, or just someone to fit that job that playing Bolton and gay and then a third linebacker in that spot would be pretty awesome. And I, I would assume that that's the plan for next year is trying to find that like strong side linebacker, the Sam, I believe. And, um, and the problem is the problem uh, is that we've sunk so many assets into it. Like that should, that should be the easy linebacker to find. But now you're looking at the linebackers as a whole. Hey, we got Ant Hitchens making top money. We got Gay a second round pick. We got Bolton a second round pick. We got Dodd a third round pick, who's only sniffing special teams at this point and maybe chasing Lamar around. But we got all these assets. We don't really we can't sign this veteran linebacker to like a four million dollar deal to just do that minor job because we've already sunk in too many assets into it. So I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that's the correct thinking, but I think that is the thinking. Is like, man, these guys should be enough at linebacker. Well, and I mean, look, if you wanted to play those assets, then Willie Gay would be that guy. Willie Gay, he who said he was going to have seven sacks this year, and I believe is like an inch or two taller and probably 10 or 15 pounds heavier than any of the other linebackers on the team. Um, he's, he's, he's your freak, right? Um, and so he seems like the guy that should be potentially playing that spot. And then your weak side linebacker, that's supposed to be your coverage guy and your major athlete, that's Dorian O'Daniel, you know? And so if they've missed on some of these guys, they've certainly missed on Dorian O'Daniel. 
But like that's that's the dream scenario is that those three guys all on rookie contracts, all starting and fitting together really well. Um, and and they've just missed, you know, and, and a guy like Damian Wilson. Um, and I think that maybe they look at a lot of linebackers. Some of those guys are a dime a dozen unless they're not. You know, it's 15 million or 500,000 at linebacker, it seems like. Um, and unfortunately, they ended up paying the wrong guy. And then some of those draft picks haven't worked out. Uh, I do want to kind of go back to that corner conversation real quick, though. Um, I who really like, who you like? I, I really like Rashad Fenton. Um, I feel like every time that Fenton has gotten on the field, They've played him in the slot and they've played him outside over the course of the, I think this is year three for him. And I feel like he's always shown well when he's been out there. He's definitely like a, a frisky guy. Um, he doesn't mind mixing it up. He definitely has confidence and you have to, to play in the NFL. He sometimes has that unearned confidence that you threw a bad pass and your receiver couldn't get to it, but it's incomplete and I'm in coverage. And so I'm going to let everybody know about it. He was, he was dangerously close to a taunting call the week after getting a taunting call and getting fined for it. They're actually taking money out of his pocket next week. Doesn't care. Goes right back to it because you can't call taunting on every play as the right. old adage goes. I think that Rashad Fenton is the type of player. What I've seen through you know, two and, and a quarter seasons, Rashad Fenton is the type of player that you want to draft in the sixth round and you can win with that guy. Um, and, and so I don't know what the role is and I don't know why it seems like he only gets opportunities when other people are hurt because I like him a lot. I would forgot he was around. I totally forgot about him. Like with, with Hughes and Baker coming in and them seeming to play uh, or like to pick up all the extra snaps, I kind of forgot that Fenton was on the team. And then all of a sudden he's out there making plays like, oh yeah, Fenton, Fenton's good. Fenton, Fenton should be yeah. playing. So I like him a lot. I what's, think, what's your corner? Who are you starting and who's your third corner? Well, they're, I don't know exactly how they're doing that where like Sneed, is he doing the kind of Kendall Fuller thing or at least the beginning of the Kendall Fuller thing where it was like when we're in our base defense and there's only two corners on the field he's a starter but then when we go to the nickel we're going to move him inside and bring someone else on as an outside corner and I actually saw somebody mention I don't know if they were just trying to be technical but I saw somebody mention that the way that the Chiefs were playing against Washington was essentially that three safety look that we've talked about in the past, but that three safety look was Sneed and Thornhill and Matthew. And, and that would mean that if in that scenario, Sorensen is on the field, that he's literally playing linebacker. Um, and, and I mean, hey, I, I, don't, I don't mind that at all. And actually... And Go ahead. So, oh, sorry. It's, I mean, that, that would be like a nickel or dime situation. So, yeah, it's not like he's not in there defending the run on first down kind of thing. But, I mean, that's absolutely what I would do. That's absolutely what I'd do because your two best playmakers are Matthew and Legereus Sneed. So keep them both close to the ball. Like if Legereus Sneed, I, I understand he's a corner um, and it has to, he has to go outside on the base defense. Man, I, I almost like him more at safety than corner just because he's so he's such a good tackler 
he's a good blitzer. He makes these plays behind the line. I'm kind of amazed by that. He's, he's really just has an all around game. It's like coverage, like pure lockdown coverage is almost like the worst part of his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I love bringing both those guys inside and just enabling them to make plays. I, I love, I love. Yeah. I mean, look, even the coaches at Louisiana tech knew that Sneed was better at safety. So I don't know what's going on with Spagnolo trying to force him into play in corner. Um, and that, well, so that was kind of the, the narrative, right? But he, cause he played corner as a junior mm-hmm. and looked really good, but then they had to move him up to safety out of necessity and injuries. He and he was good. a veteran. Yeah. Like he was the guy that could do it. I think is kind of the story. Well, I mean, all I can take away from that is that it must've added to his game that he picked up, you know, how to tackle, how to make plays because he, he seems like more than just a corner to me. So keep him in closer to the ball, keep playmakers around the ball. And I think that what that means is, you know, if, if the chief's best defense, and this is, we talked about a little bit last week, maybe any team's best defense is being able to get pressure with four and drop seven guys. And if I'm going to put seven guys in coverage, it's probably going to include, you know, Matthew Thornhill, Sneed. I'm going to want Fenton on the field. I may want Sorensen on the field potentially, but I'm, if I'm thinking about those other corners, it's like, I, I, I think I want DeAndre Baker and I think I want Charvarius Ward. And so that tells me that like the, the last of those defensive backs to see the field is either going to be Mike Hughes or Armani Watts. If I'm the one that's, you know, paying the, the salaries. Um, with, with Matthew, you, you were mentioning like what he's been able to do, how he looks when you get him, you know, toward the ball and how aggressive he is. Um, let's try to wrap things up on this Tyron Matthew certainly uh, looking like himself on the field again. Um, and then after the game, he gets onto social media and, and look, I, I, I think it's important to have at least a short conversation about what he does sometimes. And then what he has done basically on, on Sunday, what he did on Sunday, because here's what I don't understand about Tyron Matthews tweets. The Chiefs are coming off an impressive defensive performance for the first time in what feels like forever. If he were reacting this way last week, I guess I'd understand. But but now, like he's he's human and he has admitted to being emotional and reactionary on social media. When they first were able to talk to him at training camp, they were asking him about some of the stuff that he sent out during the offseason because of the contract stuff and he could just you know tweet through it sometimes and he even admitted he's like I probably shouldn't be on social media like somebody needs to take my phone from me um and so like even knowing all that I still did not understand especially because of the timing I'm like Tyron what's going on here man he seemed really upset and I guess I was just surprised that they had had such a nice performance and that that ended up being his reaction was like, I found five tweets that questioned me and now every, every Chiefs fan hates me. Is it just him trying to build that narrative and that like that's what athletes have to do in order to motivate themselves or I mean, is it that simple? Well, I don't know if it's that simple, but yes, I mean, I mean, great athletes 
are not sane people. I mean, they got to keep a fucking edge to them and, and they look for this shit and they remember it. And, it, and it's almost, it's not healthy, but it's just kind of what keeps driving people. And if you hear like, I mean, like Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech, he's like still salty at people. It's like, dude, it's so, it's so far beyond all that. Everybody agrees. Everybody knows that you overcame this. You won. You won, Michael. We get it. And yet it still goes there. Uh, it's just, I, I mean, I think they're just constantly looking for people um, to drive them like that. And I think it's probably because so much of their job is done behind the scenes uh, and they got to kind of motivate themselves, uh, you know, working out every single day, um, kind of like that. So you got to keep an edge somehow. I mean, if you get lazy, I would get lazy in like two days. That's why I didn't make it as a pro athlete, uh, despite my um, acumen for the game. Uh, I was just too lazy. And, you know, if maybe if Twitter existed back then, I could search for some negative tweets about me. Maybe, maybe I would be in the NFL today, but it just wasn't meant to be. Um, but well, I, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you want to react to that? You, you got a take on that? Yeah. Um, you're talking about bulletin board material, you know, or or at least what we're seeing on Twitter, especially anytime something even remotely negative is said about Patrick Mahomes, a little notebook. Like these guys are certainly wired different. And we've talked about how enjoyably petty someone like Patrick Mahomes is. And so if Tyron, even though I was the one that I was saying, I don't understand this and I'm kind of like a little uncomfortable with what's happening with him right now, um, he's probably just trying to find that stuff to stoke the fire. You know, he's got to find that motivation. And we've talked about like, you know, what if, if 2019 was about revenge and 2020 was about, um, you know, running it back. Then like, then we're going to chill. Right. You know, and so what is 2021 about? And you could say, take it back, I guess. Um, but I, I think that he's probably just trying to, to motivate himself and I'm going to look for the worst comments and that's the stuff that I'm going to use to fuel me, but it's hard reading between the lines and trying to be, you know, the amateur that you all know and love me to be and, and think like, does this have to do with the contract and the team's kind of losing? Like if you're Tyron Matthew, are you thinking about, I don't know if I even want to continue to play here. I don't, I don't know. And if Tyron is that emotional, a guy, I mean, I could see him at the end of this year just being like, I need to go somewhere else, you know? Um, and But the Chiefs might even be in a position and, and maybe where I've gone too far probably already. Um, well, I mean, I, I didn't really follow it. I didn't know it was this big a deal. I mean, I saw a tweet with him and Briscoe, uh, and I didn't really know that it went beyond that. But, yeah, I think I think you're looking too much into it. I, I wouldn't think that he's there's some bad tweets, so he's not going to be in Kansas City. No, I, I don't think that whatsoever. I did see uh, from the podcast with Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito that Jeff Allen kind of touched on this. And, he's, and he said a direct quote, or maybe not direct quote, paraquote, paraquote? What's the fake quote? Paraphrase. Paraphrase. Eh, we'll edit that. Don't worry. Um, after games, you know, like he was like, especially after road games, we'd get on the team plane and I would search all of the offensive line player names on Twitter and read aloud the negative tweets to the offensive line. So he was, and he just gave an example, like Eric Fisher can't block uh, worth a shit or something like that. 
and they would just find these on Twitter and then read them aloud to each other. So, I mean, th this is what they do. Uh, I mean, I don't have an explanation, but they do do it. I mean, in Demetrius Harris, as we all know, as everybody tweeted two or three years ago, and he found every single one of them. Uh, he and he and he and he liked them. Um, but yeah, as, as so as we know, the players do this. So, are you telling me that like the coaches or the players themselves were essentially like recreating mean tweets, like the Jimmy Fallon segment? Celebrities read mean tweets about themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that that's in no way surprising and it's actually kind of charming that they do that. I mean, when you're, when you're at that level and maybe this is like where I need to have a little more of a sense of humor about Tyron, um, you can dismiss any person in the world that has anything to say about you, especially with a resume like Tyron Matthew one of the things that he said to Briscoe was like, you couldn't even talk peewee football with me. And, and no offense to Josh, who is one of my favorite personalities and people on the planet. Tyron is right. There are, there, there's like 1% of the NFL, I think has the kind of knowledge um, that Tyron does he's in that super elite category that like it's probably hard for some of his teammates to chop it up with him because he's thinking about things and processing things at such a high level that it's like I don't even need to waste my time with you you couldn't carry a football conversation with me you would need to make it about something else um, and so you know I just want my team to be happy and anytime it seems that it's not and things aren't going well, um, especially after how well things have gone largely for the last couple of seasons, um, you know, it just makes me makes me a little nervous. Well, if if you're seeking happiness, my number one piece of advice, do not get on Twitter. <laughs> if, yeah. if happiness is what you're seeking, don't just don't get on. Just don't log in if that's what you want. If you're not ready to, to get in the shit. If you ain't ready to get in the muck, then then don't don't get on there and then and then complain when it happens because it's happened. It's gonna happen. Mm. But um, all right, so we'll end the show with where's Frank Clark do 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 do. Um, I thought he looked good, and yeah. for Gay Watch 2021, still kind of waiting and watching, hoping uh, that that he's able to get out there and give us a full complement of episodes at least for the rest of the season. Um, I, I really think that this defense, if at full strength, um, man, I, I, I still think that they've got a lot of potential. And I guess the only reason that I have to believe that is because we haven't seen it yet. All right. I, I will believe it until I've seen it. Um, we're, we're starting to see some signs again with the grain of salt, but you know, against the Eagles, which has very similar offensive stats to the uh, team, um, football team. <laughs> the uh, team. And you're not wrong, actually. The team. You know, there was no grain of salt to be had against the Eagles. There was no grain of salt. Um, so it was all terrible against them. And we shouldn't gloss over how big that, that drive was. We didn't really mention that. kind of skipped over it. But that driver starts the second half where we punted. Well, punted in, in, in quotations here. 
kind of a punt. I saw people say that Tucker's punt to win the Townsend jersey was better than Townsend's punt after halftime. I think it, it was easily. It was easily. Yeah. Dude, I've never seen a less clutch punter than, than Tommy Townsend. He should have the easiest job in the world. And, man, it's like, okay, we finally need a big punt from you. I, I, it's probably just one punt in the Super Bowl that I can't get over. Man, it was a fucking awful punt right at the worst time, right when this one happened. But the defense responded. Uh, the football team started at the minus 44, and it ended up leading to a missed field goal. And then that's when the Chiefs offense goes touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. But that drive, I mean, if, the, if they put up a touchdown there and we get down 20 to 10 with no confidence, having not scored for five straight drives, who knows? And if we're two and four right now on this podcast, we're discussing if this team's going to make the playoffs or not. So that drive uh, might go down. We look at the we look at the halftime adjustments, but we look at that drive from the defense of all folks uh, as really turning things around. Yeah, you know, uh, shout out to the Chiefs defense. I think they really held it together. Um, even though Washington, again, was missing some players and aren't super duper talented offensively, um, it, it was necessary to see them come together um, and, and play that way. As we're contractually out obligated to say, they don't need to be great. We're looking for league average. League average is what we want. So show some signs to get there. You, you mentioned um, that there might be kind of a confidence issue a little bit earlier in the show. Um, and I think that performances like this from the defense can maybe help Mahomes settle down for sure. I'm starting to see that and be like, okay, um, if you can play that way, string some of these performances together, even if it only ends up being two quarters or three quarters, like if, if you can really start doing that, then he might start, you know, feeling more comfortable, I guess, instead of I got to score 14 points on every drive, uh, as you mentioned. All right. So the Chiefs play the Titans on Sunday. Um, big, important game. The Titans are super banged up. I believe that the over-under was set at like 55, and then it immediately jumped up a bunch of points because everybody was betting the over. So um, I'm kind of expecting a back-and-forth one because we probably can't tackle Derrick Henry contrary to my tweets. And um, I definitely don't think that the Titans can stop the Chiefs' offense much at all. And, and just Derrick Henry, oh, boy. Boy, they um last five games 725 yards and 10 touchdowns and oh boy oh boy is that the best three game stretch in nfl history has anyone five, scored five more games. than five games oh five. I, try, I, I try to do a deep dive on it i couldn't figure it out man i i gotta i gotta i gotta get together with the crew on the deep dives we gotta we gotta think work on some things because i was struggling to find some some key stats that i wanted to deep dive on this week hopefully we'll get that back next week all right, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall. He is his darkness. And, uh, you know, go Chiefs. We'll talk to you next week. Who the best f- Go join